welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and this week it's a podcast with a little bit of a difference, right? Uh, it's a podcast that since the very beginning I've kind of known at some point that I would have to make a podcast like this and it doesn't really make it any easier when you find yourself in this situation having to do it. Uh, the fact of the matter is that on Friday last, I'm speaking to you on Sunday evening, but on Friday last uh, we got the news from the west of the country that Kevin Higgins had passed away at the age of 48. Now, if you've played Gaelic football anywhere in Scandinavia for the last, I'm going to say, 12 years, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. A bearded, warm, friendly giant of a fella who turned up and who played and who gave us all and who would was happy to help out any team that wanted him. He'd get there in the middle, he'd get stuck in, the whole lot. And just a fantastic guy altogether. A uh, very healthy fella. Was training jiu-jitsu the night before he passed away, I believe. And it came as a, as a great shock to us all. And with a podcast like this, I say that this is a community podcast. It only exists because you exist. Um, we can't only talk about the positive things in the community or the, you know, the happy things. We have to talk about things like this as well. Because let's face it, boys and girls, it's going to happen to us all. People we know are going to pass on. People in our community are going to pass on. And we have to be able to talk about them and to talk about that fact and to pay tribute to those people, especially in the case of such a wonderful guy like Kevin who meant so much to people down on the West Coast. He lived down in Vorbay, but we all connected with Gothenburg GAA, I suppose, more so than maybe anything else. Um, so that's really what this podcast is about. And I'm well aware of the fact that many people in Derry will be tuning in for the first and last time to listen to this podcast and to hear our memories of Kevin. Because when something like this happens... Um, and something so sudden and so unexpected happens you want to collect those memories you want to experience that person you want to and I mean we all felt this need uh, the lads in Gothenburg and myself and indeed the players here in Stockholm would have known him we felt this need to talk about him and to remember him and to pay tribute to him and rightly so and I really hope that we can do him justice in doing so we've been on social media all the clubs have paid tribute to Kevin, uh, none more so than Gothenburg GAA when we found out that he had passed on. And and it's just, it's important to do that. So if you're listening in Derry, if you're part of, of Kevin's family, our sincerest condolences to you because whatever the scale of our loss, uh, it's just a fraction of what you were experiencing at, that, at this moment. And I want you to know... And the whole point of this podcast is so that you will know and that you will feel in your heart of hearts how much we loved Kevin and how much we respected Kevin and how much he meant to us and the gap, the, the, the gaping hole that he's going to leave after because he's just, he's irreplaceable. You centre forward, you can get a new centre forward. Centre back, you get a new centre back or a goalkeeper or a midfielder. But people like Kevin just don't come along very, very often. And even though we were limited to 48 years of his existence even though you know 10 or 12 years of that was spent with Gothenburg GAA 
it's really a time when absolutely we have to mourn him but we also have to celebrate what it was that he gave us so in order to do so i got in touch with some of the lads at Gothenburg gaa the first voice you're going to hear is adrian kelly we never even got around to introducing ourselves we just got stuck in there then you'll hear from billy finn in milwaukee you'll hear from paul curley in Gothenburg, uh, and we're also joined by mal Keane a little bit later on and everybody just said as soon as i suggested we do this everybody just went yeah tell us what time it doesn't matter what we're doing we'll jump on and we'll do this because that's how much everybody wanted to remember kevin so without further ado um again uh, apologies for there'll be a few clicks and hisses and buzzes and that kind of thing because everybody was connecting from iphones and from everything just to just to have the chance to say something about kevin and to remember him at this particular time so as i say without further ado uh, let's remember kevin higgins and what he meant to us to the irish community here in stockholm in gothenburg in sweden and in scandinavia and pay tribute to him on his passing. Gents, under normal circumstances, it'll be another few weeks before we'd be talking to each other on the side of some pitch and saying how this is definitely the year, this is definitely our last year. But unfortunately, we find ourselves in a situation where we're chatting about a good friend of ours. Could I just maybe start by asking you, lads, where were you when you find out when you found out that uh, that Kevin had passed on? Uh, well, I suppose I'll start first. Um, actually, it was Paul that uh, found out first. Uh, Paul Curley. Uh, I was just uh, in the car getting ready to pick the kids up from uh, first school and school. Uh, so it was around you know four o'clock on Friday afternoon, and Paul sent a message, and I was I just seen uh, the title of the message group. It said sad news. So once you see that, you know something something's bad. <laughs> You're about to see something bad, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he sent a message to myself and Decky and Mal, and I said, uh, Kevin had passed away. So, uh, absolutely shocked. Uh, couldn't really understand it. And, you know, we're, we're still uh, got loads of questions. We don't know what happened. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we're still in shock, really. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you heard uh, that he was training jujitsu the night before. Like, so, you know, he was in good form the night before. Everything was fine. And, and the next morning, he was gone. So, yeah, it's uh, terrible, terrible news. Biddy, you're beyond there. Are you in Milwaukee? Is that where you are? Milwaukee, yeah. Right in the yeah. heart of the country. So, so it would have been a few hours earlier. It would have been about lunchtime. Was there somebody from the club got in touch with you, or how did you find out? Declan Redmond rang me directly. I was at work, and I was I just stepped out of the meeting or whatever. And, um, yeah, just... just not often that Declan would ring you, and usually he's either looking for money or he has bad news. So. Neither, which is a good I, thing. I, I know, and I, I, like I knew straight away it was some sort of bad news, and he just came straight out and said Kevin Higgins has passed away. And I, I just, I, as Adrian said there, I just couldn't believe it. It's, it's still a bit mind-boggling, you know. Um, mm. I was speaking to him like two weeks before Christmas, and that's the last kind of contact I had with him I wished him a happy new year there and text and stuff like that but yeah it's it's still still tough to believe mm-hmm. you know the big so, man is gone so 
Uh, it was a big shock. I remember in, on Friday evening, I saw a text from Derry City Football Club because I'd follow a lot of the League of Ireland clubs on Twitter. And I saw that they were passing on condolences to Rory, to Kevin's brother. And, you know, and I still can't understand why, lads, but it actually never clicked with me that it was it was Arrow Kevin. That was Kevin Arrow mate at the time. And I remember thinking, Jesus, I must look into that later on then and see. And then it was only when I was leaving the gym then on Friday, late Friday night that Adrian had dad texted me to say that this was it. Paul, you set up a group to tell the lads in, in Gothenburg GAA about Kevin's passing. How did you yeah, find out about it yourself? Uh, there's uh, some other Irish living down in Borbeck and um, uh, Stina, who was also a member of our club, her kid is trained with uh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin was a trainer. Um, and they'd been rang by the club saying that training was cancelled on Friday. And, uh, yeah, in that they knew him both personally as a trainer, the, the, the member of the Jiu-Jitsu club told them, told them that uh, Kevin had passed away. So that was the first we heard. Now, as Adrian mentioned just in the very beginning there, we don't know what happened. Uh, I've been in touch with the family. I think you have as well, Paul. Um, so we're not going to speculate about any of that kind of thing. But really the reason I asked you all to talk to me this evening is to remember Kevin as we remember him, as you would have known him better than I did. But he was one of those people who was just, every time you saw him walking towards a football pitch, my face just lit up because he was so much crack. Billy, as probably, or I suppose the three years, as the longest seven members of Gothenburg GEA Club, do you remember how he got got involved the first time he came to train and or, or said he wanted to play that was before my time Billy so uh... um, I, I think it was really true um, that Verber connection I think he kind of was looking for something outside of Verberg and I think he just got in contact he looked up the Facebook page or whatever we had online and that's usually how things started and I think that's how we kind of met and he sent a couple of messages and he turned up for training and he was in that was that was pretty much how it started you know that would have been 20 i don't know 2011 maybe 10 yeah. maybe i think it was how, 2011 yeah. how far away is varbay from gothenburg lads is it, is it an hour or two hours down the coast of, it's not that far sure it's not about an hour it's uh, an hour by car i think uh 45 minutes by train but uh by car then about an hour yeah and would you see him often at training? Would he come up to you often, lads, to train before the tournaments? I, I think he kind of stopped that now. Uh, in the last few years, uh, he, um, he used to just go to the tournaments then, you know. So yeah. the first couple of years, he'd become up training. And uh, obviously, you know, as time gets on and, uh, you know, uh, he decided it's, it's probably better just to get going to the tournaments, you know. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's it a long way to come for training. When he started building the house, I think that's when he stopped coming and draining so much. Mm. And he built the, his house himself, so he uh, didn't have a lot of time over then. Mm. We could all count ever... on him to come to the tournaments, so that was a good thing. <laughs> he was always I, I, there at the tournaments. That was the main I thing, was yeah. only, I, I was only saying to Patrick the other day on Messenger, he was just asking me, he said, you know, how do you remember Kevin? And I, I used to say to him, it was always the first sign of spring for me was when you'd see Kevin coming across at the first tournament of the year. You'd always see him coming five minutes before Gothenburg GA's first game. And he'd have his boots in his hand. And from, you know, 100 metres or 200 metres away, he'd be roaring at the referee going, hold on, hold on. As if, you know, just don't throw the ball in until I get there, you know. Um, can I just remember the story of how he came to be in Vorbe? Because funnily enough, we only ever used to talk about sport. He never really talked, or, and Derry, of course, but he never really talked about how he ended up in Sweden. Um, 
off the top of my head, I think it had something to do with his profession. And he got offered some opportunity in Varberg. And I don't, I think he met his partner, Sonia, somewhere, uh, not, in, not in Sweden. And uh, I, I don't know, I don't know the full background, but I think it was definitely through his mental health profession that he came to be in Varberg and he got offered a position down there. That's what I can remember anyway. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Billy's dog has just sort of run her off the bed there to mention the mental health. That's always a good sign, Bill, you know? <laughs> Paul, can you remember the first time you bumped into Kevin? Because as I say, I, just, I can remember life before him and life after him, and they were two totally different things. Just this huge lad turning up in the midfield and never stopped talking to me the whole game. Like. Yeah, uh, I think the first transition I came down for Gothenburg, um, we were training on a stand pitch, and Kevin was holding the session. And uh, I don't know if he just read a book about um, stretching or something. Uh, <laughs> static stretch is no good, lads. It's, uh, all, all your stretches have to be done in movement. And he, that, that's all he was talking about all the sessions. Like, we, we'd go around the ring and everyone would introduce one stretch. And say, I'm not, I'm not stre- st- static stretching. It should all be in movement. <laughs> so, all, so all, remember, di- all dynamic stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I remember rolling my eyes and saying, well, what's this lad on about? <laughs> <laughs> did, did anybody pay any attention to it at all though no? i i don't know we, we still talk about doing your dynamic stretches anytime we actually get onto the field so there you go Ke- kevin's legacy oh. is how got the board gea stretches before tournament adrian, adrian i've never seen you stretch before doing anything on a gaelic football pitch no i'm one of those straight out i want to get it done as quick as possible you know <laughs> the last few years anyways just get out there play and get off you know it's up the first so, five uh, minutes of any game or for getting warmed up that's it that's yeah. it yeah you know that, that was that's, the thing go, go back to the story i was telling there you know he'd come along with the boots in his hand and then he'd line out beside you paul in the middle of the field and that was it then it was game on from there what, what did he bring to the club as a player and a man what did he bring to the team as well well, uh, I, I, I but, um, Kevin was probably one of the louder ones in the team. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. He was uh, very out, um, outgoing. Uh, a lot of us would be, uh, you know, we all have our different characteristics and traits, but Kevin would have been probably the, the single most outgoing person <laughs> uh, that we probably even know over here. Uh, so he actually was very good person to have with newcomers so any newcomers and we have you know swedes would play with us and uh foreigners and you know it could be a daunting thing for uh, a swede to come to training or uh someone from iran or you know we've had players from all over the world play with us and they come to a training session with a lot of irish people with a, a sport that they've never heard of never seen before and uh Kevin just always put them at ease. Uh, you know, he uh, he'd have loads of questions for them. You know, it's uh, very interesting. He was very interested in people, I think, uh, more so than anything else. Like he was a good sportsman, but I think he was a, a good people man. And he just uh, very inquisitive. He loved uh, chatting to people, and he everybody really felt quite comfortable in his presence. You know, so uh, he definitely brought that. Now he was, uh, you know. He was just uh, one of the good guys. Like he, uh, everybody liked him, and everybody felt comfortable. Especially, you know, the the Swedes and the foreigners uh, coming down training and whatnot. You know, that must have been a great asset to the club, Billy. Because I remember lads from Mexico and from Iran and from all over the place who turned out for you over the years. Was it good to have somebody like Kevin who just take them under his wing, not only in training but also in games? Then later on, you'd hear him coaching them the whole time, like. 
Absolutely. I mean, and as Adrian said there, it wasn't just about the football. It was a social thing as well, getting them involved and making them feel welcome. And, you know, yeah, we, we were playing a game, but it was getting into the social circle and making them feel wanted and welcome. And that's what Kevin was absolutely A1 at. He was very, very good at just kind of teasing them in with, the, with that dairy lilt and then getting them hooked and then getting them involved and getting them laughing and enjoying the game. So, you know, he was a huge, huge, huge asset to the club, you know. And uh, the, the day after the tournaments, when you'd be coming back uh, from Oslo or Copenhagen, or you know, it could be quite enough in the car normally. You'd be driving and everyone would be flat out asleep. But no, not Kevin. <laughs> you wouldn't shut up all the way. <laughs> He'd be chatting away the whole way home. Was he a wild man? You know me, lads. I don't drink, so I'd disappear off at 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock. As soon as Billy starts repeating himself, I'd go home, like, you know. But was he a wild man when you went out for a few drinks after a tournament? He never struck me as being that sort of a character at all, though. No? I had his moments. If there's one word I could associate with Kevin and Nights Out, it's Christiana. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a little part no. of Copenhagen that we all know. He loved going down there, did he? Going down there and looking for his wacky backy. I remember one night we were playing, we got down on the Friday and I think we were just going going to bed or something. And I don't know, I said, where's Kevin? So Kevin had disappeared off from Christiana the night before the match. And so he was happy out getting his fix of his wacky backy and, you know, and so that was, that was him all over. That's that's what he lived for, and you know he enjoyed it, and he was grand. And but that's one more I, I associate with Kevin Christiana. Christiana in Copenhagen. Love the Copenhagen tournaments. Does uh, no. I? I was just going to say that picture that I put up of him on Instagram and Facebook. That was taken down in Copenhagen, I think, in 2011, and it would have been just around the time that he was getting involved in the club there. And he did like you know it was sort of like night and day really when he came along you know because you know these were always great crack and then this big lad came in the middle of the field and he used to wind me up something terrible because you know the way Billy you may be going at it right but Kevin would get under your skin in the nicest possible way and tell you you are shit you know he'd be asking me if my boots were on the right feet and everything from the moment I met him he was just such great crack altogether you know um, to, towards uh, like the later seasons now because like he used to be like James Brown do you remember the singer James Brown and he'd be on the stage and they'd take him off pretending that he wasn't well and he couldn't continue and then he'd always come back and Kevin was kind of the same you're going I know lads this is the last year I won't be doing this anymore now I have the family that kind of thing and yet still you know, the first second tournament of every season he'd still be back you know was he a bit of a diva in that way sort of you know going go on convince me you might get another game out of me that's our club in a nutshell. I think there's not many of us on the right side of 30 or right side of 40 anymore. And <laughs> at the end of every season, it's, it's the last one. But, uh, I think guilt trip. I think we're all, uh, we feel guilty now. If we uh, just, uh, you know, retired and left the other lads to take the load. So I'd say Kevin was the same way. You know, he, uh, he'd he see us out there and he'd, he'd probably know we're short a few players and, uh struggling to make the numbers and he'd, he'd feel compelled to come back like the rest of us he'd feel compelled to just get on, get the shirt on get out there and just do what you can you know uh, that's I think that goes the same for all of us too you know but, but, but Kevin loves loved testing himself physically mm. uh, he, that's the part he loved about the football you know getting stuck in testing himself physically uh, he started jujitsu as well um, as well, just to get down and dirty <laughs> on the floor with people. 
Do you know how far he'd come in that, Paul? Because we used to talk about it, but I can't actually remember if he ever got sort of in this five belts of jiu-jitsu. You start with white and then you go to blue and to purple and to brown and to black, like, you know. But he only started a few years ago, didn't he? Yeah, he only started a few years ago. Um, he'd been in a few tournaments and done fairly well, but I I, I don't know how far he'd come in the grading system. Yeah. And the fact that he was uh, coaching kids must mean he'd become a bit... Do you know, he, he always sort of struck you as the kind of guy that if he's seen something five minutes before you, he could probably teach it to you, you know, that way, because you'd see him on the field coaching these these young fellas from Iran and all over the place. And I'd imagine it was the same thing with the jiu-jitsu. Billy, when, when did you move to Milwaukee? It only seems like yesterday, but it was a good few years ago now, wasn't it? This is August 2015, yeah. It's good eight years. I know, and yeah. Would you have remained in contact then with Kevin? You were saying there earlier on that you would have had, you know, texts with him around Christmas and that kind of thing, but you would have been in contact with him after that anyway, would you? I would have contacted him maybe, I don't know, every couple of months, but in the last, in the last year, to me, he, he's been, he's been a great source of, of information and advice, not, not a thing to do with sports. It was, you know, I was leaning on his professional opinion for, um, for treatment with my own son with, uh, with ADHD and how how he could help and he talked about diet and he talked about um, medication and how that could be controlled and stuff like that so the vast majority of our conversations over the last six months were totally in relation to that and you know and that's why I'm kind of a bit you know a bit raw today because the, the advice he gave me was I've taken into account and taken on board and you know that outlet is not there anymore and you know the way he used to say it and it's such a matter of factly straight away to me no bs no crap no nothing he just say look this is what will work and this is what will not work he was straight up with telling me how things weren't working that i was doing he was straight up telling me that things were working if i was doing it right so that's that's to me in the last year not, not even gaelic related that's been my contact with kevin and and you know that's that's I'll, I'll, I'll miss that i'll miss that outlet that he gives me so it's been is it, is it harder or easier to take advice or help like that from a friend billy because usually we would you know especially here in sweden you, you'd go to professionals that kind of thing but you know sometimes you know that coming from a friend you maybe don't want them knowing things like that about you but you know kevin was never the kind of person to make people feel uncomfortable no matter what you were telling them or talking to them about no, I mean, not at all, because Kevin had a kind of a holistic approach to mental health. You know, it was all about the, the whole person. And I mean, I won't go on a rant about over here, but over here, that's not the way at all. It's, it's, you're, you're a dollar sign when it comes to medicine and stuff like that. But no, not at all. Kevin was straight up with me and I, I, I appreciated that. I wanted that, you know, so that, that, that'll, that'll be what I will be forever grateful to Kevin for, for giving me such direction. In the last couple of months it's a big loss on a, on a personal level billy adrian can you ever remember if you know i mean kevin the, the entire higgins family are very involved in soccer back in ireland did you ever play soccer with him did he ever turn out for gothenburg celtic or did he keep himself down the coast playing for vorbay no funny enough he always said to me you know interested in it like uh you know he uh he said he was more of a ga man personally uh obviously he looked out for Derry city and his, his brother's results and whatnot and, uh, he was quite knowledgeable about it, but uh, from what he told me, anyways, it was uh, you know, he said something along the lines: if it was uh, a match on across the road, I wouldn't, uh, I'd, I'd close the curtains, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't even mm -hmm. look at it. So uh, you know, I think he, he was 
a bit more keen on the on the GA on the Gaelic football side of things uh, from what he, he told me anyways uh, but he at the same time he always said a good uh, he'd always make sure he uh, followed his brother and he, I was talking to Declan there as well and Declan said he met him in the airport flying out to see the FAI Cup final there around uh, the start of December like so he's obviously he, he made sure he went home to see his brother there for that Mm. it's so, amazing because was, he uh, always from, he from always his words about, anyways he was a uh, GM man mm. he always seemed to know about the young fellas playing in Derry you know James McLean when he was coming up and all these other players who played for Derry City Jesus he knew everything about them and he used to tell me stuff which as a journalist was very useful especially if a lad was playing for the under 21s or that kind of thing you know Paul did you, you never got to play soccer with him but uh, what was it like playing football in the midfield beside him was, uh, was he the kind of guy that you just win the ball and give it to him or was it the other way around uh, I'd say I did a lot more of the running and he did a lot more of the, the dirty work. <laughs> <laughs> and we played to our strengths. Well, he, he, used, he used to have this thing, right? Um, where when Declan Redmond from Wexford we were playing a goal and we all remembered a few years ago do you remember when he broke his ribs and he burst a lung and he did all sorts of things you know and then the longer the day would go on because we play in tournaments obviously in Scandinavia the longer the day would go on the shorter the kickouts would get but it didn't matter Kevin could go and get the ball but by the time he'd be almost down to 13 metre line where I'd be standing waiting on Declan's kickout to go wrong and he used to have this thing where he'd run in front of me and he'd grab the ball right so he'd catch the ball high in front of me and I'd go to tackle him and of course he'd just swerve out of the way and then just as he went by or just as he went by with the ball he'd go oh nearly big man nearly and then he'd just take off with it you know so he was some he had a fair bit of skill to him as well for a, for a big fella like him you know yeah he definitely did and uh, you know the Gothenburg way of method of football is pretty direct it would be more Galway based than Northern based <laughs> <laughs> Used to like to stick it in there in the mixer there, it, it towards uh, Adrian Kelly there, and he'd have to go up and get it, you know. Exactly. Um, so I think uh, actually the, the style of football we played suited him very well there. There wasn't a lot of lung bursting runs that run off a person's shoulder or something, it was pr- pretty direct football. So suited what, us. What was he an easy man to play with, Adrian? We have Malkina coming in now as well, but uh, we'll put that question to Adrian while Mal is connecting there. Yeah, he was like he was. Uh, he was, you know. I think uh, we all sort of, you know, has the sim- similar attributes. You know, so we we could always uh, we had about roughly on the same level. I think we're always getting older and older. You know, so uh, he was very good. Like, he was very good at feeling the ball. Anyways, you know, if you put a ball up there high, like he he could catch it. He, he had a very good uh, hand-eye coordination when it came to high balls. Like you know. So, uh, but like, obviously, no more than myself there, the running and all that, like, it's just, we only have so much in the tank. So, uh, but he's definitely good at, at feeling the ball and he was definitely good at pass and picking out a pass and whatnot, you know. Mm. So, uh, but uh, like every tournament, you play the first couple of games and by the last game, then anyways, it's just, uh, you know, right lads, we'll uh, crack open a few cans before the last match and, you know, have a bit of a laugh, you know. Get a bit of a crack out uh, we've been joined now by Malkina has dropped in as well. Mal, it's, it's good to talk to you. I suppose we all wish that it was under sort of slightly happier circumstances. But we're just sharing memories of Kevin now and of playing football with him and indeed of the man he was off the pitch as well. You know, Is there anything that sticks out for you when you played with him? Did he ever annoy the shite out of you like he used to do with me when I was playing against him at times? Um, 
Even in Australia, we know. I suppose when everyone moves abroad, they always look for the GAA, you know. And I think the first thing that really stuck out with me, um, the first person that stuck out to me was Kevin when I came down to Gothenburg. We were training up in up near the Botanic Gardens there, and um, <laughs> I came off the come off the tram, and all I could see was this big, this big guy standing there with a, with a football in his hand, and he says, "Ah, oh, it must be a Dublin lad coming." You know that big Derry accent. And I was like, who the hell is this lad? I said to myself, anyway, he was full, he was full of life from the first moment when I seen him down there. And Billy, Billy was there obviously as well. He was Billy was pulling the strings for everything, but Kevin was doing the coaching at the time. And he was into all this, you know, this stretching and all this stuff. And he ended up, he didn't do any of it himself. He was just he was just <laughs> dealing all this stuff out, you know. And he was watching us and uh, he was great, he was great talking. That's why I say anything about about, about big Kevin. He was great at talking, but actually when he went to the pitch, though, he could see there was, there was a footballer there. He was probably mm. past his, his his prime when he was in uh, in Sweden, but he could, he could see that he played football. He played. He said to me he played rugby as well in school, and, and he had tries in soccer as well. So he was a decent baller, great footballer, you know. Um, and uh, he really enjoyed the GA, I tell you. He was fantastic. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stories go down down the years with Kevin, you know, it was... Um, you could be here forever. He's um he's he's gonna be sorely missed, not as a as a you know a guy that has uh you know in the community, but you know as a good friend. I think everybody on this um on this group chat here had some way of of uh, have a conversation with Kevin over the years about football, politics, life, or whatever. Went to him for advice on a, on a lot of stuff. I know I did anyway. And he was a he was a wise man, not only a footballer, but a great a great wise man, and and, and had a lot of opinions about stuff and. Steers in the right direction most of the time as well, you know. Hmm. So, when you're um, playing yeah. football, with, when you're playing football with a mal, he, he never struck me as being somebody who was. It's not that he didn't want to win, but it wasn't all about winning for him. It was about getting the team ticking over, getting lads playing well, involving people. Now you played alongside him an awful lot more than what I did. I only play, I only hmm. played a few matches when when you were short or whatever. W- would you agree with that, or was he somebody who was driven by winning as well? Um. There was definitely a competitive streak in him there, absolutely. Um, he, he did enjoy winning. Um, obviously, he play, was playing with Gothenburg over the years. We didn't win enough. <laughs> I think we all got frustrated because you boys in Stockholm were, were clearing up every year. Well, any of the years I came, I believe Gothenburg were, were better before I came. That's saying something anyway. But um, it's, uh, yeah, he, he was definitely he was definitely competitive. He, he, he didn't like to lose, but at the end of the day, I think when he came off the pitch, he definitely just left it behind him and said, All right, Asher, listen, we had a great day. We had a good L run out there and, and that did me for the for the, the, the afternoon of the day. So you can see on the pitch he was he was ferocious, you know, he he wanted to win, you know. And I think I think like the other man on the on the line there, Billy would would, would back that up as well, because Billy <laughs> Billy was as nearly as bad as him. The pair of them would take his teams when they wanted to win win games and they didn't they didn't take any prisoners, both of them when they were tackling and they were given putting their body on the line. So um, yeah, he was he was competitive. But when we came off the pitch, he was an absolute gentle giant, you know. Mm. <clears throat> Billy, we have to we have to allow you in there to defend yourself. Oh, there's no defending there. Right? Mal is dead, right? I mean, I, I just took great pleasure from hitting you all the time. That was the main. That was my. Uh, you're, you're more than welcome to do it again, my friend. Any time you want to do it, come on over and find me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I, I just while Mal was talking about there, he pretty much touched on everything we said before he joined about what kind of a man he was but 
in a Gaelic sense, I actually had a bit of a surprise for him in the next couple of months. Um, the World Games are on in Derry. World Gaelic Games are on in Derry this year. And the Heartland Division here, I, I think we're 90% sure that we'll be sending a divisional football team, representative team, and I'll be coaching them. And I was actually going to ring him in the next couple of weeks when we had the final details for him to be on the sideline in Derry with me up in up in Ondeg. and you know imagine him being on the sideline and giving it loads to the to the ladies <laughs> you know it was a little surprise I was going to have for him I was arranging it so he could be on the sideline and you know help coach maybe and stuff like that you know so that's that's a bit of a signal that you know the way things have turned out and it would have been a nice surprise for him because I think he would have loved being involved and giving out his advice. And I'd say the ladies wouldn't have understood him anyway half the time with his pull up your boots, come on, you know, all that kind of lark. So that's a bit sad, a bit sad that's not going to happen. He was, a, he was a, sorry if I cut across there, Billy. He's a bit of a dreamer as well when it came to things like, you know, uh, in the GEA, he had plans like he's all wanted this tournament down in Paddy O'Shea's tournament down in, um, in Kerry. He always wanted to get a team to go down there. And this was his thing, you know. I don't think we would have had the players for it. I don't think we probably would have had the finances to get over the club and that. But that was one of his things. He always kind of dreamed, okay, we'll get the group, we'll get over to Ireland and we'll play football over there. Because, you know, playing GAA abroad is, is one thing. But when you go back home, you know, and playing GAA back against Irish teams and stuff like that, he he wanted that. And he was always, he was always you know, dreaming about getting back to Ireland all the time. He did get back as often as he, as he could. And uh, I actually sat down him last um, yeah, last summer at the All Ireland final, and I was in his house watching with him. And of course, it didn't go his way that day, you know. And um, he, he at the end of the game, but he was saying, "Ah, we're just not good enough. We're a year short." He's realistic about it, but he was a proud Derry man. That's one thing about him. Mm. He loved Derry football, and of course, he loved Derry City Football Club as well because his, his brother's involvement and stuff like that, you know. So um, I think he's steeped in sport. And, um, you know, it shows off in, in, in the way his friendships developed over the years. You know, sport is huge from. Mm. I think it would be a lovely gesture if in some way we could send a team from Sweden or from Scandinavia and, and you know, to his home city and to his home place and to represent his family and our families uh, in that place. And so we'll have to talk about that, Paul and, and Mal and, and Adrian, maybe. Is there anything we can do in the in the Nordic region to, to recognise what he's done for us all personally and what he's done for, for Gaelic football and for Gaelic games up here? Have you had any conversations about that, lads? Haven't uh, Myself, I haven't spoken to lads. Actually, this is the first time I, I spoke to Billy the, uh, for a few minutes the other day and I've been texting the lads. We haven't, it's, it's, it's still early. From from my thinking, it's still early. For, um, yeah, it only happened on what day was a Friday oh, yeah. afternoon. Right, so yeah. then we put our heads together or something, and come up with something in the next the next week or so. You know, so that's my that's my thinking on on the situation. But how do you feel, lads? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think uh, you know, uh, definitely something to think about in the future. Um, like I said, he made an impression on all the teams, not just ourselves. But I think. Uh, Every team that uh, played in these tournaments, everybody knew who Kevin was uh, because he spent most of the time at every tournament chatting to the opposition players after or before. Like he was just very interested in people. Like so, everybody exactly. knew Kevin. Uh, he left yeah. a, a massive impression on everybody. So uh, surely, definitely, uh, it's something to think about. I think just now, I think we're all just sort of 
trying to come to terms with the loss and uh, just try maybe even help out his, his family back in Ireland if they need anything over here now in the next couple of weeks. You know, uh, just uh, be there for, for them and be there for his family and his friends and just, you know, try and uh, help out a bit and, yeah, yeah, come to terms with it ourselves as well. That's, that's it. Adrian talked about his family there. I had the pleasure of meeting his mum and dad when they were over a couple of years ago when Kevin was doing up the plans for the house and his father, I think his father pretty much built it with him because he was a building contractor. And his dad, it's Kevin Mark II. The two of them were as thick as thieves, <laughs> by. They were cut from They were mad. They're such a nice man. And, you know, it's, it was great to meet the other side of Kevin as well. You know, he sees his dairy family and, and just they, the things they got up to. There were, there were two, two lads, there were two characters. And I can see where Kevin got all of his traits from. Oh, it's nice to meet him, and I'm sure they're going through hell right now. And God help them. I hope that they have a chance to listen to to this because, as I was saying, Billy earlier on, there I was talking to his brother Patrick and saying that we share this podcast with them and and with the people back in Derry because maybe our memories might might be somewhat a little bit more recent. But I suppose to round off, and I'm delighted you all took the time to talk to me this evening because I've been fucking in bits the last few days, lads, just thinking that we're not going to see him again the first tournament of the year. But can I just go around the table and ask, you know, maybe starting with Paul, how will you personally remember him, Paul? What what did what will you take with you in your life? From, from having known Kevin Higgins? I think just to enjoy life. You know, he, he's up, very much into happiness and enjoying yourself and taking, cutting away the nonsense. But that was, he was very much into that. Like, if you, if you, you could tell him your problems and he'd see through them and say, but that part doesn't matter. Fix that instead, you know? Mm. And, and then uh, meet the world with a big grin. He was always smiling. He certainly did that. Adrian, what will you take from knowing Kevin? Oh, uh, you know, it's just the personality just sticks out like uh, a, a genuine, larger than life character. Um, one of the funniest people I've met, uh, one of the most positive, and probably one of the like the biggest free spirit over here. I think he never, he was so non-judgmental towards people. He didn't have any hang-ups t- towards people. Anything goes with him. Uh, he was just, didn't matter who you are, where you're from, whatever religion, color, creed, like he was just, you know, no, nothing, none of that mattered to him. It was just very much uh, a people person for every person. And uh, yeah, his, uh, just his, his personality, he was uh, one hell of a character. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that we won't see him again. Billy, have you anything to add to what the lads have said there? Have you anything personal you'd like to add to that? The only thing I can add, and it's pretty straightforward and simple. I remember him as a friend, as a Gael, and as a father. And there's no more to be said. That, that's what he was. That's what he was to me, and I'm sure that's what he was to the lads. And yeah, it's 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 sad that just such a character has has gone from us so early. Um, but he live on. He live on in our memory. And you know, even though we don't see each other often when we do meet eventually or whatever, we'll think of him. And he was a good man. And that's all can be said for anybody. 
in this day and age. So that's that's what I remember. Mal, we'll give you the last word. Oh yeah, well listen, um, it's hard to to add it more than the lads have said there. Really, to be honest, um, the one thing you used to always ring up Kevin and the first thing pick up the phone to him and I always say, uh, "How's the crack, Kevin?" He goes big and hairy. Every time I used to ring him, and you could nearly you nearly get it in before you say, it, you know. And that's the kind of thing he was. He just broke the ice straight away with everybody. He spoke to everybody. Um, he was, a, as, as Adrian just alluded to earlier on, he was a people's person. He cared more about meeting newer people and bringing them into the group. And he was interested in people. He was interested not only about, you know, if they're sporting side, but their, their background and where they were from and their family and everybody. So he was one of those people that he, he was like a magnet and he, he just had that kind of glow off him. And uh, I don't think many people have it, but uh, he certainly had. But uh, he was—he's—he's—he's uh, he's still a—he's still a great friend, and he'd be—he'd be sadly missed. That's all I have to say, lads. But he's—he's um, going to be sorely missed. But um, we were going to remember him for for a long, long time, especially in this club here. Paul, Billy, Adrian, and Mal, thanks so much for talking to me this evening. Yeah, thanks nice for chat to you, all, lads. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, too long. There you go, a conversation with the lads down below there, the men who lined out alongside him for Gothenburg GAA, and I know how much joy Kevin got out of doing that, you just knew by the look on his face when he was playing with us lads, that he was just having the time of his life out there, chatting away, going, winning the ball, fetching, carrying, putting it into Adrian, getting the scores, being a couple of points down and battling, and he just loved those days, and it's great to have those memories of him. Um, if I think on, if I think back on maybe what I may have learned from myself, exactly as the lads said there, Kevin was a man who included people, and in the way he talked to people, he had this way of talking to you about what you were interested in and agreeing with you and just making you feel like you know he understood exactly what you were talking about and exactly your spot in that you know and that's perhaps why I ended up talking to him so much about sport and about Derry but one is because I love the city of Derry anytime I've ever visited it but also that sport was a way as it often is with men that's that's how we express ourselves by playing it by talking about it and by being part of it and Kevin just had this amazing way of bringing people together around it and it was it is very much a way of seeing the world through sport. I often say that without it I wouldn't have had a friend, I wouldn't have had a job because I work a lot with it in journalism and I wouldn't have had a pastime, I wouldn't have had these great tournaments that we got to experience together. But he also taught me the profound effect that we can have on one another despite the fact that we only meet, our paths only cross maybe a handful of times in our lifetime. Because it's literally that. I wouldn't have seen Kevin that much. Would have seen him at every tournament over the years. And those times were very, very intense in our conversations and in our games and in the time we spent together. And then you wouldn't do it again for a month. And then at the end of the season in August or September when the last tournament was played, you may not do it again for a year. And all those men that I was talking to there on that call, uh, to Adrian and to Billy and to Paul and to Mal, you have those bonds and they form very, very quickly. And I don't know if the distance makes them even stronger than what they are, but especially as adults and as people who have moved away from Ireland, that those bonds become very, very important to us. 
And I suppose that in turn makes the passing of somebody like Kevin all the harder. Because to be honest, I really haven't known what to do with myself since I got this news. And part of it is, you know, the knowledge of the loss of his family and that. But there's also, you know, I have to be a little bit selfish and say that I feel that loss. I'm devastated that I'll never get the chance to be in the man's company again. And I suppose that leads me to the final point that I'd like to leave you with. And again, we have no idea what took Kevin from us. And the situation in Sweden is that these things tend to take a long time to sort out. So we're not quite sure at the time of recording, you know, if we'll ever, you know, when we will have the chance to say a proper goodbye to him. But for those of us who are left, I think it's very important that we take this opportunity to appreciate one another and to say the things that we need to say and that maybe we don't say often enough. So now that we're at the end of this podcast, it might be an idea just to pick up the phone and to get on WhatsApp or to make a call to someone that you love and to tell them that you love them. Because if the last few days and Kevin's passing have taught us anything, it's that maybe it's a little bit later than we think. Look after yourselves. Look after one another. Rest easy, Kev. And I'll talk to you all again soon. Of all the money that ever I had I spend it in good company And of all the harm that ever I done Alas, it was to none but me for all I've done, for want of wit, the memory now I can't recall. So fell to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be Of all the comrades that e'er I had They're sorry for my going away And of all the sweethearts that e'er I had They'd wish me one more day to stay but as it falls unto my lot That I must go and you must not I'll gently write and I'll softly call Good night and joy be with